First Look is brought to you by Queer Wedding Ally Training, a framework to inclusify your wedding business in seven days so that you can stay relevant in an evolving industry without feeling awkward or tokenistic. Head to www.queerweddingallies.com for more info. Marriage equality has fundamentally changed the way that we view, celebrate, and affirm the union of marriage. My name is Hank Paul, and I'm a wedding photographer based in Sydney, Australia. And throughout this series, I'm taking a look at some of the history of marriage equality through the lens of my fellow LGBTQ wedding professionals, the highs and lows of working in an evolving industry, and I will attempt to answer the question, what does the future of the wedding industry look like? You're listening to First Look, how marriage equality is transforming the wedding industry. How did you get into photography? That's the number one question that people ask me at weddings these days. And it's one that I genuinely struggle to answer. Here's why. Most of the time, I'll say something like, oh, a friend asked me to be his assistant back when I was in high school. But to be completely transparent, The most truthful version of that answer is layered with complex feelings about my upbringing, the role religion played in my life, and how my personal views of marriage have shifted dramatically in the last 10 years. You see, I was 16, maybe 17, when I shot my first wedding. And it's true, I had been approached by a friend to work for him. However, this friend was also sort of a mentor from my church, who was training me in both photography and spirituality. He spent months teaching me about all the technical things that I needed to know, such as aperture, shutter speed, and composition. He was also hugely influential in showing me how to speak to clients, how to manage rowdy wedding guests, and yeah, how to uphold our faith by politely turning away couples that don't adhere to our religious views on marriage. In other words, I was taught how to discriminate against LGBTQ couples using a narrow interpretation of the Christian faith as justification. This was 10 years ago, and Australia wouldn't recognise marriage equality for another five or six years. But this introduction to the wedding industry planted a seed in my heart that took a long time to remove. I was taught that faith and queerness couldn't coexist, and for many years, I chose faith. As I entered my early 20s and I began to open myself up to the idea that being queer wasn't as evil as I once thought, I learned that a lot of queer people have their own experiences of spirituality and faith. And yes, this parallels marriage itself, which in many communities around the world is deeply rooted in religion. For some queer people, it is the faith that they were raised in. For others, it's a more personal set of spiritual practices that they've discovered for themselves. And despite religion being frequently weaponized in opposition of marriage equality, something we learned in part two, many queer people are reclaiming the ideas of faith and spirituality. I actually lost quite a bit of weddings once I came out. This is Kelly Bolch, a wedding photographer based in Los Angeles. I mean, most of my clientele were good friends from college. So, and I went to a school called Cal Lutheran. It was you know, religious base. I grew up very, very Christian. So I was still finding myself transitioning into really even accepting my queerism when I was starting to photograph these weddings. Like a lot of wedding professionals I spoke to, 
Kelly's start in the industry was heavily focused on serving straight white couples, which also meant hiding their queer identity. Over time, Kelly knew it was time to come out as a queer-owned business. I really believe that you attract your clientele based on who you are deep down. So my clientele was very white, hetero, (laughs) normative. The biggest thing that I think changed was when I needed to re-come out, essentially, retell my story of being queer. And that was the big thing of just like, I'm going to have to take this leap of faith. And this leap of faith is trusting in myself and trusting what's going to come from, what's my new clientele going to look like? It was the biggest and best thing I've ever done in my life because as soon as that happened, of losing the clientele that didn't really actually see me or know who I am, I gained an influx of of queer clients and cl- clients that were still in the closet, couldn't have you know, the big weddings that I was normally shooting. They were like, okay, well, this is going to be intimate. And it was just so beautiful that it was this gradual thing that became small into a huge movement as it is today. I really resonate with so much of your story. I grew up in a very um, evangelical household and I started as a wedding photographer when I was 16 because everyone gets married at 18 in the church. And so it was all wow. my peers were getting married. And 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 that my ideal client at the time was a, a Christian straight white couple. And um, that's that's how I made my my you know my money for the first five years of business. And I I so often talk about my story is I, I came out as queer and then a few years later I came out as queer owned. Um, yeah. and, and that those are, those are two very different coming outs that mm-hmm. I had to, I had to kind of go through within my, um, at the time, like a very Christian community. And that's like how we felt with just even on an outer perspective of our clients, we were afraid of that. But then internally what was going on was we were essentially killing off an old version of who we were yeah. in order oh, to yeah. accept our brand new version and, and to love ourselves yeah, and to yeah. love ourselves, like, and to love that new new fresh new thing that's coming to the surface that we're just finally being like no we have to recognize that this is who we are and show up to the world love is a pillar of so many religions including the one that i was raised in to me it seemed counterintuitive that it was the same church preaching about love and acceptance that also made me question whether i was allowed to love and accept myself This cognitive dissonance has caused me to go on my own journey with faith, and it made me curious about other queer people's relationship with religion. What is the Latoya story? That's interesting. Uh, Well, it started when I was born back in 83. (laughs) (laughs) Minister Latoya Papionher is an agnostic, multi-faith wedding minister based in New Orleans, Louisiana. She describes her faith in the words of a pastor on social media known as the Naked Pastor. He says that um, my cottage is is within Christianity, but I have tents everywhere, right? So I have little places where I go and put things down um, and exist everywhere. And while I don't have a primary, you know, Christian or, or anything like that, I do believe that I have small pieces from everywhere that help guide my path and how I serve. I grew up Catholic. My grandmother was a, a Southern Baptist and my mom was Catholic. So when I split my summers as a kid, I was in both places. 
Um, but of course, like many of us as an adult, just kind of strayed away from that to really decide what the path looked like for me. Minister Latoya tells me that she doesn't have any dogmatic religious practices, but still acknowledges a power greater than herself. She spends time studying different faiths to understand their importance in her life and how they can help guide her in her role as a wedding officiant. I do study them all, which is interesting. I do study them all. Uh, a friend of mine was just laughing because he'd asked me about something about Buddhism. And I was like, ooh, one second. And I went and grabbed, you know, big book. And like, I said, of course I have a book on Buddhism. And what you were asking me is called this, you know, because the, all of those things, I think, make up our human design. You know, religion is a human creation. So if we're going to be well-versed in how to handle humans, then we have to look at the things that they've created to cope with life. In recent years, there has been an increasing acceptance of queer people. This shift has come from a growing understanding of gender and sexual fluidity. As more people feel free to express themselves, it is becoming easier to see queerness not as a deviation from the norm, but as a natural part of the human experience. This also helps us see a new perspective on faith, through a lens of queerness. That is to say, what works for you, works for you. And if one day that changes, that's fine. Faith, like queerness, is fluid, nuanced, and subjective. Regardless of your own ideas of God, something that all wedding professionals can agree on is how love is a motivating factor in why we do our jobs. Here's Kelly again. I've noticed a lot of wedding photographers, even around the world, that their main belief is love. And so it's like, that's what our religion is, essentially, is just love and all its variations and faces, because there are so many versions of love that you see within couples. And it's the most beautiful sight. I never, I never get bored with it. And I think that that's our, our, our religion, if anything, that's the things that we believe in. And that's why we're shooting it. That's why we want to document it. Okay, I'm just going to say it. Love is a religion of wedding professionals. It's what gives us purpose and what gets us out of bed in the morning. It's also what should motivate us to be more inclusive. But what does it look like to be more inclusive? It's extending the hand of dignity and respect by actively working to close the gap between what is considered quote-unquote normal and those who exist outside of it. Everyone. You include everyone. Here's Rick Simmons from the National Gay Wedding Association. Every, everyone matters when it comes to getting married. Everyone matters when it comes to talking about their love and their heart and their feelings. It's not just a chosen few. And it's, it's, it's something that I think people take for granted a lot, uh, especially wedding vendors. And, and so when, and when I talk about inclusiveness, uh, it's, it's a very serious statement for me because it's, it's, it's involving everybody. Everybody's at the table. Everybody has a seat. Everybody is welcome. And, and there's no exclusion. You know, everyone's included. I think that queer couples have an unmatched appreciation for every moment because statistically those moments are kept from us. This is a very beautiful and sacred moment for a couple and a moment that they can't get back. The queer community, just because of, of the amount of oppression that we experience, we know what it feels like to have moments snatched from us that we felt were supposed to be exciting. 
Minister Latoya is talking about inclusiveness at the altar, but inclusiveness starts right at the beginning of a couple's journey in planning their wedding and the ways that we as business owners attract new customers. It's important that we check in with our marketing strategies and ask, is our marketing discriminatory? As we learned in part three, failing to address discriminatory marketing practices can really hurt queer couples. And we also learned that inclusivity is also really closely related to justice. This is something that's been on Jove Meyer's mind. For a long time, I think I was set in the mindset of educating about inclusivity in the wedding space around LGBTQ plus people. That's my wheelhouse. That's my personal experience. That's my professional experience. It's my contribution to our, our industry to make us a more inclusive industry. And when everything happened with the Black Lives Matter movement and continues to happen, I don't want to make it seem like something of the past, but for me, that's when I really sat, I really read, I really listened, I really took a deeper look at my own self and my own business and my own life. And I thought, what more can I be doing, not just for LGBTQ plus people, but for all marginalized people? Because while our differences may be different, you know, the reality is, is when you're othered in society, you're treated a certain way for being different. I think it's safe to say that the wedding industry has undoubtedly changed. And with marriage equality sweeping across the globe, wedding traditions and norms are adapting. But there are other factors at play too. For example, when COVID struck, weddings were reimagined to be smaller or celebrated in online environments. Climate change and the call to sustainable living has caused many couples around the world to turn to eco-ethical practices. And gender equality and elevated living standards mean that people are choosing to get married later in life. This begs the question, what comes next? I put it to each of my interviewees. Kelly Bulch kicks us off. My question is, what does the future of weddings look like? I just got chills when you asked me that. Okay, coming from a, you know, a spiritual background of, of speaking in the language of energy, I feel like um, and we're talking probably almost 10, 20 years from now that when it comes down to when we're, we're reaching this non-binary type of spectrum anyways, right? And I really believe that everyone is going to realize that they have both of these masculine and feminine energies within themselves. And that reaches like the capacity of 100. Like I am so solid within myself. My partner is so solid within themselves that I don't need to have anything else to show for that. Basically, I feel like the wedding industry is going to become um, into this going back to the times of just being like, I have my, I have my person, I am solid within myself and this, this union that we are forming, you can feel it. And I don't need to have this big, huge venue and all these flowers to show for it. I think the future of weddings are going to be smaller. I think they're going to be more intimate. I think they're going to be more personal. I think it's all about the message uh, of love and togetherness. I don't, I don't, I think big weddings will be far few in between. I hope they continue to be just rooted in some traditions. Here's Maria Palladino from Equally Wed. But explore all the aspects that break traditions, no matter what kind of couple you are. 
you know, heterosexual, gay, straight, trans, whatever, that you do what you want for your wedding day and the celebration in any way with religion, with um, large, small, this, that, breaking traditions, however you want. Photographer Tia Nash spoke about the idea of doing away with gender and gendered wedding traditions altogether. It turns out, this isn't necessarily the best answer, because for some people in the trans community, gendered wedding traditions actually affirm their identity. We always want to have space for like trans binary folks, like trans women, trans men to have very gender affirming experiences within the wedding world. There might be a trans guy who like feels so great being in like very masculine groom roles and being like treated very masculinely. I never want to get rid of gender altogether because I think it can feel so good and so affirming to people. But I think that it should be a choice. I would even love to see wedding venues in their questionnaires of like, how can they like organize the venue and where they're going to put the tables. I would love if in those conversations, there's also like, what signs do you want on the bathrooms? Do you want to have bridal suite written on your door or not? Can we switch it to something else? To me, what I want the future for weddings to be is options, choices, giving people their own autonomy within their wedding. I think the future of weddings is just going to be a big, glittery, queer party. <laughs> like a big, queer rave. Um, I, I think the wedding industry is just going to continue to let creativity lead it. We are all artists. You know, we're all theater kids and, you know, band geeks and techies and all these unique, fun quirky, special people that come together to prioritize a stranger's moment more than our own health. And I think that that is why the wedding industry is so big. So as it continues to grow, I think authenticity will be super important. And I think as people are beginning to change the way they do business and wanting to work with small business or wanting to work with local business, I think it'll just become bigger and brighter. Um, that's kind of what I see for the wedding community and the wedding industry. Is it bad if I feel like they're not going to change? I just, I don't think that there's anything extraordinary or out of the box that's going to happen to weddings in the near future. Because the wedding industry, I don't think is the problem. What we find is beautiful is the problem. Because the wedding industry is just reflecting, they're, they're doing whatever the demand is. So if we are still prioritizing certain bodies, certain faces, certain characteristics as beautiful, then the wedding industry is going to do that as well. I don't think it's a matter of the wedding industry shifting our view. I think our view is what is controlling the industry. To sum up, I think that people across the wedding industry are in general agreement that the future of weddings will include more optionality and personalization. The jury is out on whether we're seeing a large-scale downsizing of weddings, but it was clear that everyone sees the importance of having a more intimate approach to working with their clients. My hunch is that weddings will always be viewed as a traditional institution. It's not dead, nor dying. Rather, the traditions are just evolving, and new ways to celebrate weddings are emerging. Where does that leave us? What can we, as wedding professionals, do with this information? If you've been listening to this series, and you feel compelled to take some action to prepare for this bright, emerging future, then I have the perfect next step for you. Join hundreds of wedding professionals around the world 
and sign up for Queer Wedding Ally training. You've heard the ads, you need no introduction. It's a framework to inclusify your wedding business in seven days so that you can stay relevant in our evolving industry without feeling awkward or tokenistic. You can sign up right now at www.queerweddingallies.com. On a wedding day, the first look is the part of the day where the couple come together and see each other for the first time right before they head to the ceremony. It's a relatively new tradition that really focuses on a private, intimate moment between the couple. Traditions, new or old, don't take away from the significance of a day. Whether a couple chooses to do a cake cutting, or a breaking of the glass, or a jaimala, or a first look. These are all beautiful, symbolic moments that are designed to commemorate the beginning of a new chapter. Similarly, marriage equality is a new evolution in this global tradition of love and partnership, and it only enhances the significance of what all weddings are about. We've only seen the early days of marriage equality, a first look, if you will. But these are some stories of how it has changed the industry for the better. Closing us out, I wanted to share a story that Tara Baker told me. Tara is the editor of Dancing With Her, where they frequently get people reaching out on Instagram with personal stories. I got a DM on Instagram from a mum who said that their daughter had just come out to them and she was really worried about what the future would look like for her daughter. And she found our publication and she read our stories and she started to see that her daughter you know, wasn't missing out on anything, that she could live an incredible life, have an incredible love, and that everything would be okay. But that for me was like, I I can't do better than that. Like, that's incredible. It's one person's life has been changed because of what we do and what we've created. That's the biggest accomplishment for me personally. First Look is written, recorded, and produced by me, Hank Paul. A big thanks to everyone who jumped on the microphone. I'm honoured to share and preserve these stories. Special shout out to my brother, Josh Paul, who helped push me to the finish line and provided some really great input along the way. I couldn't have done it without you. If you liked this podcast, you can support me by writing a review, subscribing, or simply screenshotting your podcast player right now and sharing on Instagram. You can tag me at hankpaul.co. I would love to connect. And if you want more content or you just want to support the show, you can head over to www.firstlookpodcast.com and sign up for VIP access, where you can pay what you want and listen to all of the interviews I conducted for the series completely unedited. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week. Thank you so much. I'll see you on the flip side. First Look is brought to you by Queer Wedding Ally Training. In 10 years' time, one out of five weddings will be queer. The queer wave is coming, and with that, the people who work in the wedding industry need to adapt. If you're not offering an inclusive experience for all couples, your business is going to get left behind. Queer Wedding Ally Training will give you the tools that you need to be a better ally in just seven days. You'll learn the fundamentals of queer inclusive language, 
how to create a welcoming environment without feeling awkward or tokenistic, and how to stay relevant in a fast-changing industry. You'll gain access to four video modules, plus a bunch of bonuses, including the all-new bonus audio training, three proven strategies to book more queer weddings. For more information and how to sign up, head to www.queerweddingallies.com. That's queerweddingallies.com.